Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Yo, this is the Fantasy Best Friends Forever here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Alongside Frankie Stample, I am Greg Sussman. Frankie, what's going on, bud? Frankie, Thursday, February 7th. Excited to be back talking some fantasy baseball. Very excited to have Dr. A on of Inside Injuries. For the first time in 2019, Dr. A will be talking fantasy baseball with us and... Some really important baseball injuries, Greg. How about that? A lot of baseball injuries that you may have forgotten about. Because I certainly did. For a long time. Yeah, big names too. Guys that are going off the board uh, very early in draft. Specifically, three Houston Astros who are going inside the top 50 picks who are all kind of returning from injury. Yeah. You know, had offseason surgery. Uh, so we'll get into those guys. But before all else, Greg, mm-hmm. how did you sleep last night? Just Okay. I slept okay. Nothing, you know, I wouldn't say it was it was great. I don't want to say I slept great. I slept okay. But yeah. Much better. Much better. Yeah. You walked in in a pretty good mood today, so I thought things were good. I surprisingly drank a few beers last night. Didn't see that coming. I wasn't expecting to do that. Didn't see that coming, yeah. Uh, went out to play some basketball right. with Kinga's brother. Right. And then he's like, oh, you want to come over and drink a couple beers? And next thing I, you know, I, I drank like no. four or five beers, and then I went home. and Slept great. Looked up some Zach Wheeler stats, tweeted some stuff out. Luis Castillo. Yeah, I had a feeling you were playing basketball last <laughs> night because I had texted you about the Otto Porter trade and you hadn't seen it yet. You were surprised and you responded like a half hour later or so. I was like, he must be playing basketball right now. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yep, I figured that. I also showed Kinga uh, my mess up yesterday on the air. Oh, what'd you and, say? And um, that's why I slept so well. <laughs> I was like, screw you, I'm not cuddling you anymore. So it worked. Yeah, I'm not going to show her this one. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're not listening. She's not. Don't worry. <laughs> um, uh, so if you're looking for our NBA thoughts, and I don't know how many of you are, but if you're looking for our NBA thoughts, we're going to do that later today on the NBA Twitch show. You can check it out at uh, 4.30 p.m. Eastern on the actual NBA Twitch channel. That's if you go on twitch.tv slash NBA. We'll be there from 4.30 to 6 p.m. giving all of our thoughts on the trade deadline. Right? Yeah. There was a lot last night. You mentioned Otto Porter. There were a few smaller trades. Uh, maybe we'll have some blockbusters before the deadline this afternoon. Uh, some of the Grizzlies guys are up in the air right now. Conley, Marcus, what's going to happen with those? Of course, still a chance Anthony Davis gets moved. Uh, seeming more and more likely that he's not going to. Uh, but yes, we'll be on the NBA Twitch channel this afternoon to recap everything that went down and everything that's gone down to this point between last week's Mavericks trade and Porzingis uh, up until now. 
Yeah, it, it'd be fun. Uh, I'm have almost like a, in the there are a lot of fantasy basketball tidbits to to take away. Totally. From so well. basically, the entire rundown is kind of just breaking, not breaking down the trade, just listing them so we don't forget anything. And I'm excited to kind of go one by one and break it down. And I'm ha- I'm happy we're at an hour and a half now for the program, so I think it'll be good. I agree. So that's coming a little bit later on today, this afternoon. Make sure you check it out. Um, on the NBA's Twitch stream. But today, as Frank mentioned, we're back into baseball. We talked to Dr. Ray. I cut off at about uh, 20 past the hour to get into uh, some of these baseball injuries. But as Frank was actually compiling the list yesterday of the players that we wanted to talk to Dr. Ray about, it was kind of surprising, I guess, that it was like, hey, Astro, Astro, Astro. And we realized that's kind of a good place to start. We wanted to get into the Astros today. Not because there are that many new faces here. There, there are a couple, no doubt. But it's the returning faces and where they're going, as Frank mentioned, guys in the top 50 here, that you want to know, well, when do I draft them? Should I be drafting them? Is it too early? Is the value not good enough? This is what we're going to talk about. And this is where I want to break down. Jose Altuve has been a first-round pick for several years now in fantasy baseball. And there's always a debate, can you... Win. Not, I mean, there's a million ways to win, but can you win by drafting Altuve second overall or third overall where he was going? And then he went down to more like 6-7, but can you win by drafting Jose Altuve in the first round? Because he wasn't a guy that was going to hit you 50 home runs. He was a guy that was more going to hit, you know, mostly 20, so you thought. Get you a ton of stolen bases. Have a high average. He wasn't a guy that was like Aaron Judge or Giancarlo Stanton or something like that. But, of course, in Altuve's MVP year, he you know stole 50 bases, and he hit more home runs than ever expected, and he scored a ton of runs, and the RBIs, and everything was there. So, the question marks kind of went away for Jose Altuve last year. Of course, last year was the first year of his career. All of a sudden, he got hurt. And being Jose Altuve, he still played in most of the games, played 137 games last year. But because of those injuries... Everything was down. Even when he came back, he simply was not healthy. He hit less home runs. He he had less runs scored. He had less RBIs. He didn't even steal 20 bases. The OBP was still where you liked it at 386, but all the counting stats were lower. Because of that, because of the injuries, because of question marks that have now come back surrounding Jose Altuve, his ADP has dropped. Frank, where is Jose Altuve going right now? And what do you think of him as a player going forward? So from J- January 1st on until today, February 7th on NFBC ADP, he's going to pick 15.93. And he fits the mold of one of the players in years past that has been a first-round pick who is now slipping to the second round. And I think rightfully so, based on the injury last year. He was dealing with a knee injury. The reason why Altuve was so good for fantasy purposes over the past couple of years is because he gave you three main categories, and he was very good in those three categories. Three of, I would say, the hardest categories. And that's exactly what I was going to say. As So many fantasy players look for the power, the home runs. You're looking for the RBIs. Like I, I, I get it, no doubt. You still need a base. Like You need the base of home runs and RBIs, and, and you can get that in your you know second, third, fourth round picks. But to have a guy who the past couple of years was going to steal you 30 bases, was going to hit... 320, 330, was going to score 100-plus runs. Those are stats that are hard to come by. Um, But I do have question marks as to whether or not he can get back to those numbers. That's why I say, you know, when he's going in the second round of drafts, rightfully so, because if he's not giving you 30 stolen bases anymore, if he's not hitting 330, I still think that the runs will be there. I still think that the Astros lineup will be very potent, but 
coming off a knee injury, he had a, and we're going to talk to Dr. A about this, patellar avulsion fracture in his right knee. Um, and he had surgery to repair that on October 19th. He's expected to be ready for spring training, be ready for the season. Uh, his status is not in doubt. Um, with everything that happened last year, playing through the injury, obviously his power was sapped because of that. Couldn't really get his legs underneath him. He didn't run as much. The batting average was still 316, which this, was fourth best in baseball. But this is what I'm saying, right? I'm. You said you thought that draft spot was kind of right for him. I'm actually in love going back into Jose Altuve this year. Like, I take everything we saw last year and know that this knee bothered him, and he tried to play through That means it. that you buy that the stolen bases are going to be back. I do. Because, listen, that injury, his eye didn't change. He still had a great eye, which is why the OBP... Yeah, I mean, like, he's still young enough. Like, he's not old. He's not 30 yet. He's 28 he's not, years old. Exactly. He's in the prime of his career. So his eye didn't change last year when he was hurt. So his on-base percentage was still as, good as that, uh, still as good as it normally is. 386. The average... Was still as not not as good as it was as it always is, but as you said, what third best in baseball? Three sixteen. Uh, was fourth best in baseball. He hasn't had an average below three thirteen in five straight seasons. He still didn't really strike out. He did have a, a higher actual K percentage than he has his entire career at thirteen point two percent. But we'll take that obviously. His walk percentage actually went up. So those other numbers where you ha- are related to his legs, specifically runs and stolen bases going back down. That's not a surprise. It has to do with his knee. So, yeah, Frankie, I'm banking that the stolen bases go back up. Yes. Well, that's the only way that you could draft him in the second round. And the projection, here's what I have projected for Jose Altuve. And projections, uh, for the most part, they're conservative. Like, I'm not going to project him for 100 runs. Can he score 100 runs? He could easily score 100 runs in the Astros lineup. Right. I have him for a 315 average, 18 home runs, 90 runs scored, 80 RBI, 20 stolen bases. To me... I'm not using my second-round pick on that player. It's interesting. All of the projections over on Fangraphs are very similar to what you're saying. No That's what I try to do. I look at, you know, the past three years. I kind of look at all the different projection systems, and I kind of come up with, like, a cumulative projection of my own. Yeah. Something and, that seems realistic. And, and what you're saying is very much on par with what all the other projections are on, on Fangraphs, whether it's Steamer, whether it's ATC, the bat. I don't even know what this is, but they're projection systems, I'm sure. The and, bat is from Derek Cardi. Oh, that's cool. I like Derek Cardi. Mean, ESPN. Oh, that's cool. And ATC. Um, you know, uh, I know who ATC is. I saw him Pavona, last night. I wish is, you were on top of this right his now. His name is Ariel. I don't know. Uh, ATC sings one of our favorite oh. songs. La 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 la. la, la, la. It goes around the world like la, 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 la. That's by ATC. Um, anyway, so all the projection systems have him at under 12, almost all of them besides ATC, under 20 stolen bases. Ariel Cohen at okay. ATCNY on Twitter. He, he actually is a good follow, so go and check him out. He was up for Baseball Writer of the Year nice. and Article of the Year. Lost to Florio. Check out my Florio. Check out the Patreon for him. Under 20 stolen bases for Altuve. Under 20 home runs. 90 to 95 runs scored, give or take 80 RBI. I think those are conservative. I really do. Maybe I'm banking on him just being healthy and last year being a misnomer. I know I, These I'm, projection systems are always conservative. For sure. And I'm normally one of those guys that don't like players are getting older. I want to buy in the young, sexy guy. I, I know that about myself, right? Yeah, he's still but he's still 28 though. years old. Yeah, yeah. He'll be 29 in May. So I don't feel like this guy is all of a sudden just going to drop off. I look at it like, hey, it was a bad year. I really like Jose Altuve. I think he gets back to 30. I think 30 stolen bases is realistic. I really do. Here's the problem, Greg. Drafting Jose Altuve in the second round, mm-hmm. 
you have to have the right construction. Because in my opinion, what I said yesterday, right? If you draft a starting pitcher in the first round you need and power, draft huh? Altuve in the second round, you're chasing power for the rest of your roto draft. So really, to me, the only way that you're taking a guy like Altuve in the second round right now, NFBC ADP, going hitter, going hitter, hitter, is if you're you're getting Nolan Arenado in the first, mm-hmm. or you're pairing him with Manny Machado, or you're pairing him with Bryce Harper. That's how you're taking Jose Altuve. Or you're pairing him with Aaron Judge. That probably makes the most sense. Because Aaron Judge is giving you 260 to 270. He's giving you 40-plus home runs. He's giving you runs. He's giving you RBI. And then Jose Altuve will kind of counteract him because he'll still give you the tough categories and runs. And he'll give you batting average. And he'll also give you some stolen bases. You know, Judge will maybe give you 8 to 10 stolen bases. And me, personally, I think Altuve... Probably closer to 20, 20 to 25. So but, you have a nice little base there. But why, I don't know if I can start my draft Chris Sale, Altuve. But why, why can't can. you do that? Go Chris Sale, Altuve, and then like Reese Hoskins. You can. Again, like there are ways to do it. It's just how much do you trust a guy like Reese Hoskins? Do you trust him enough to be your... You need a few legitimate sluggers. And then, you know, in the third, fourth round, you could get a guy like him. You get Chris Davis with mm-hmm. a K. Certainly, uh, absolutely. Oakland. So you know he's more powerful power, than him, and he's a he's a good player to kind of pair with Jose Altuve because Correct. he doesn't give you great batting average, but he's going to give you home runs, he's going to give you RBIs, and Altuve gives you a little bit of everything else. Me, I'm just really worried about the stolen bases. If he's not giving you th- close to thirty or thirty plus, I think that is a lot of his value. Greg. Well, I mean, it, it's a lot of the value, fine. But we both agree the runs probably go back up, being on top, being toward the top of that lineup. You know the average OD. And Do we o- know he's going to be one hundred percent healthy? We're expecting him to be, but it's a good question for Doctor Ray, who we'll talk yeah. to you in about five minutes or so. It's a good this qu- knee injury. Like how severe is this right. knee injury for a baseball player to come back? And from? does it linger- not only come back from being able to run and steal bases? Does up. it linger? Is it something that could recur? Those are the questions that we ultimately are going to have to ask, right? Like me personally, Alex Bregman is going three spots higher than him. I'd rather have Bregman. Let's get into Bregman here. Now, Bregman was a guy, I remember last year, we talked a lot about Alex Bregman going into the year. And it's funny we talk about... Admittedly, I was out. Well, you had to buy him at a ceiling. So it's funny we talk about... What we thought was a ceiling. Roster construction and buying him at a ceiling because I wanted nothing to do with it. Like I never liked how my roster ended up when I was drafting Alex Bregman. I never wanted to draft Alex Bregman where he was going. So I didn't. I wound up with Bregman absolutely nowhere. And I was wrong. He was absolutely incredible last year. Over 100 runs scored, over 100 RBIs, over 30 home runs, 10 stolen bases. He barely strikes out. He walks a ton. The OBP around 400. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. Alex Bregman Bregman was absolutely marvelous last year. And it's crazy because he got off to such a slow start. Remember, he hit five home runs through April and May. His average was around 260. And we were wondering if Alex Bregman was this bust. Like, we felt really good about ourselves for not drafting Alex Bregman. Of course, through the summer months, as the weather heated up, he got scorching hot, particularly in June, where he had 11 of his 31 home runs. He was absolutely ridiculous, and it all ended up for the stats that I gave you before. Frankie, I I have to ask you, is Alex Bregman somebody that you feel comfortable with as a first-round pick? Yes. Delay there. I'm sorry, wait, before I get into this, we're talking about Altuve with Dr. A., but I have to ask, give me one word to describe your feelings on Jose Altuve. Out. And I'm going to use a dash. I'm going to use mine. I'll say bounce back. I know it's a dash. It's kind of one word. <laughs> Cheater. We'll, we'll, go with, we'll go with bounce back. It's my, it's my rule. So it's bounce back. <laughs> oh, it's my rule. It is. I can change the rules. Let's get Alex Bregman. 
Uh, Alex Bregman, look, you mentioned he doesn't strike out. He was one of four players who walked more than he struck out last year. 4.2% swinging strike. Unbelievable. Rate. Second best in baseball behind who? Michael Brantley. We'll get to the him Houston later. Astros also signed. And, you know, it pisses me off how smart the Houston Astros are and how forward-thinking they are as a Yankees fan, um, you know, just selfishly. But everyone's trying to hit home runs. Everyone is, you know, they're trying to hit home runs but at the cost of striking out a lot. And the Houston Astros go out and they sign Michael Brantley, which at the time everyone's like, uh, all right, well, you know, it doesn't really move the needle. But they have a bunch of guys on their team that don't strike out. They have Michael Brantley. They have Alex Bregman. They have Jose Altuve. They have, you know, Carlos Correa. We'll get into him as well. But Bregman, look, there's a lot to like. Back-to-back seasons, at least a 284 batting average. It seems like everything he did last year was in the progression of, you know, uh, of a hitter. You know, he's only 24 years old. Like, he's only maturing and getting better. And it's like, everything you've seen, he's gotten better each and every year. And he's a slow starter, admittedly. When he first came into, when he first was called up, I remember there was a huge slump he was in. It was like, you know, one for his first 31 or whatever it was. And, and then he, you know, he took off the rest of the year. He was a slow starter last year. He hit only one home run in both March and April. He had 30 home runs the rest of the way over the final five months of the season. He ended up with 31 home runs. Five to a player. He's not going to give you a ton of stolen bases. You know, 10 to 15 stolen bases, but doesn't hurt your batting average. 285, 30 home runs, 100 runs, 100 RBIs, and that was with Carlos Correa sucking last year and Jose Altuve hurt. He could be even better. He's just 24 years old. Is that power for real? It's something we'll talk about in a little bit. But when we come back, Dr. A, Inside Injuries, joins us. Stick around. More from your BFFs right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round. We never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 Scout Fantasy Sports The Sixers Are the Eastern Conference champs with this trade with Tobias Harris? Does this make them a legit contender? They were anyway, without it. Toronto is still up there. Milwaukee's good and the Celtics are still dangerous. They've sat Kyrie Irving quite a bit, so they're right there. I mean, those are the four teams in the East that are are all going to be battling for that berth in the final. Weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. (laughs) 
We're back with you on the Fantasy Best Friends Forever Fantasy Sports Radio Network. That's Frank Stanfield. I'm Greg Sussman. Excited. And I think you can hear in our voices that we're excited to get back into baseball and really dive deep and find out what we like and what we dislike. And Frank, we've had a really, I guess, our first disagreement so far. A strong disagreement, I guess, on a player. You said your one word for Jose Altuve is out, and I'm, I'm very much in on Jose Altuve. So our first uh, true disagreement this season, which is kind of exciting because we've been pretty much lock and step uh, thus far. With that, speaking of Jose Altuve, let's bring in our guy, Dr. A, from Inside Injuries, who's going to give us the latest on all these Astros and a whole lot more. What's going on, Doc? Uh, good, guys. How are you guys doing today? We're doing really, really well. Uh, feeling good. How did you, uh, how'd you sleep last night, Doc? I uh, slept really good, actually. Slept at 7.30. When's the last time you guys went to bed at Never. 7.30? Never in my life. I don't know. Probably <laughs> under five years old. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> well, I woke up at 4 a.m., so <laughs> there you go. Uh, That'll do. Uh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so, Doc, we, we started the program off talking about Jose Altuve and, and this weird knee injury that he had and the surgery. Uh, what's the latest on him? Is this an injury that could linger? Can it? Is it easy to recur? Will it affect him running uh, this upcoming season? What's going on with Jose Altuve? Yeah, so the injury actually was a patellar tendon avulsion fracture. You know, the patellar tendon attaches uh, on the sort of the top part of your tibia and then extends into the patella and then attaches to the patella. Its responsibility is to stabilize when you ex- when you bend and extend your knee. The problem is is that he just didn't have a patellar tendon tear. He also had he had a patellar tendon avulsion fracture. What that means is that a when it got when it got you know stretched, it pulled a piece of bone off of the patella as well. This is a notoriously difficult thing to come back from, That's even great. as a normal person that does not play um, you know professional baseball. And so, Altuve's a you know small guy relies a lot on speed, a lot of being involved in the play, etc. A lot of lateral movement, etc. This will even when he comes back completely healthy and completely ready to go, and it's healed. Surgery side is fine. You know, this will impact his ability to actually obtain the amount of lateral and, you know, acceleration movement that he requires, you know, being who he is, especially at the shortstop position. And so it increases his chance for uh, a risk. And so even though he'll be back and clear by May, we're, we're predicting a right around the beginning of May. Right now we have May 9th to where he could be fully operational. The problem is, is that his injury risk will remain quite high, and and he'll always have that now because of this uh, patellar avulsion fracture injury. And I'm out. Frank one, <laughs> Greg, Greg zero. zero. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, no doubt about that. So, Inside Injuries has his you know healthy to retor- return and perform date in May, and he's going to give it a go in spring training. Like you yep. know, he's going to be there on opening day. So he's even returning before. You know what the timeline says it should be. So I mean, look, there's a there's a lot there to worry about with Jose Altuve, especially a guy that you want to bank on uh, giving you 30 stolen bases if you're taking him in the second round. And it just sounds to me like he's not going to approach that number. Last year he stole 17, and it clearly hampered his game. And I think it's going to do so once again heading into this year. I I can't use a second round pick on Jose Altuve. I think where he's being drafted and falling in drafts is uh is rightly justified. Doc, I want to ask you about Alex Bregman, another Houston Astro who underwent surgery last month to, quote, remove loose bodies from his elbow. This is this sounds a lot scarier when it involves a starting pitcher. How about when it's a third baseman? 
Yeah, so third baseman obviously, you know, requires that throw uh, on right. He's a right-handed guy. Um, and so the thing is, he's not utilizing that arm as much as the pitcher is. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're concerned about the third baseman from a power standpoint, but it's nowhere near the sensitivity of, um, you know, a pitcher. But having said that, removing loose bone chips, it's actually a proactive procedure. Um, it's not response to something that is completely torn or fractured, etc. So, you know, uh, this is a great three elbow injury on a third baseman and you know although he'll be we agree that you know they should take it sensitively and limit him in the start of spring training um you know he should be able to go probably by opening day uh um, from that standpoint because um even though they have to take him sensitively his hpf should get back up to above average to peak health so not as sensitive as a pitcher. It's important, though, and it's important that they are limiting him in spring training and then taking it step by step on the way back. So nothing's torn. It's a cleanup procedure uh, to prevent anything further happening this season. Doc, you used the word power, and you mentioned exactly that what while, I was gonna while ask. describing Alex Bregman. And last year, what we loved about him so much was that he hit 31 home runs. Is this something that could affect his power this season? Uh, it could improve it. Actually, you know, this is something that will make it better. I mean, he probably was playing through these loose bone chips uh, last season. So this should not this type of procedure, if everything goes OK, should actually make his power better and should be he should be ready to go. This is a proactive type of procedure, which is a very good call for him. Greg, I have my word for Alex Bregman. Okay. Boing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good word, Frank. That's, that's, that's a good one. Very excited. Very excited about Very Alex excited, clearly, about Alex Bregman. We're talking to Dr. A of Inside Injuries. We're doing a whole Astro show here, uh, particularly on four guys that are coming back from injuries. Uh, we mentioned Bregman. We mentioned Altuve. We wanted to get to Carlos Correa as well, who battled injuries also most of last year. He has deemed himself completely healthy and ready to go. Uh, Frank and I are going to get into him uh, after we talk to you, Doc. Uh, what's the latest on Carlos Correa? So back and oblique injuries, this has been his nemesis, you know, for a while now. He missed 50 games last year uh, because of it. Uh, and I'm sure he's had multiple MRIs. And it looks like because of the fact that he's had trouble sleeping and, you know, taking deep breaths that he does have, uh, you know, he probably had a partial tear of his obliques. And he also probably has uh, multiple disc bulges or even a disc herniation, etc. However, you know, he tends to often play through these injuries. So these are more like grade one and grade two back and oblique injuries. However, I think the, you know, sort of the time is catching up with him right now. You know, even though he's at above average at 67% in the off season, um, it will go back up to uh, peak health. Uh, but his injury risk will remain at about 30% because he will miss a third of the season that you can almost guarantee. These core injuries are scary, Greg. I mean, look, as much as you want to hope because he's so young and that youth is on his side and that he'll be able to bounce back from an injury like this, and I don't want to completely compare it to Kershaw because it's different. It's definitely Certainly. different when you're a pitcher and you know the stress that you put on your back. But, I mean, look, when you're a hitter and you swing with as much torque as you do and you have you know issues with your oblique and your back and your core, Man, it just really worries me. I know that, you know, you want to get excited about where Carlos Correa is going this year because you're getting him at such a discount, but, man, it has me worried. You know, look, another shortstop that has me worried, I think it's a natural transition here, Doc, is uh, moving into Corey Seager. Look, Seager and Carlos Correa were taking the league by storm as, you know, two young shortstops who were going very early in fantasy drafts last year at this time. And, look, he's recovering from not only Tommy John surgery, but... 
he had arthroscopic hip surgery in August. So I guess they figured, you know, hey, while you're out rehabbing from Tommy John, you might as well get this done too. You know, you mentioned a proactive move with Alex Bregman earlier on in the show. I think this is probably one of those moves that the Dodgers look to make with Corey Seager. Um, how much do we trust him heading into this season? Yeah, I mean the Tommy John surgery happened quite a while ago, and uh, you know this. The very the, the good news is that he didn't have like an acute hip injury, um, you know, that caused him to have surgery. I bet you this was a very very proactive type of surgery, and so he's he's been off, you know, he's been off the field for quite a bit of time, um, and so when he does get back on the field. Um, you know, he should be ready to go. The problem is, is that we're projecting that he's not going to be ready for opening day. And it's more like a late April, early May type of start for us. And so if he has any chance of coming back during opening day, I would really look at that as and be very cautionary on that because he, he shouldn't be ready until early May. Coming back from Tommy John surgery is at least a, a year uh, and then left hip surgery on top of that, even though it's arthroscopic and may have been proactive. The combination of these two injuries and getting getting back on the field, March, uh, end of March, mid-March is just not, I th we think, a realistic possibility. We think it's more at the end of April. Doc, if Carlos Correa and... Corey Seager both play on opening day this year, late March, early April. Who is more likely to re-injure themselves? Is it Correa? Um, yeah, Correa, mainly because if you're talking about any injury, the the very fact of, of a back and oblique, you know, getting re-aggravated is much higher than re-tearing, uh, you know, an elbow or having some significant hip surgery again. S Speaking of elbows, I wanted to bring up perhaps the most famous elbow right now in MLB, and that's Shohei Otani, who had Tommy John surgery uh, a few months back, and the rumor was that he was going to be a hitter this year. Started at DH, and because the hitter rehab obviously takes a much shorter than the pitcher rehab does, he's not asked to play the field. He's literally just asked to hit. Now, news came out, out about a week or so ago that, hey— he may not be ready for opening day. We were just talking about Cor uh, Corey Seager and his Tommy John surgery. What's up with Shohei Otani and his? I mean, just because he's not pitching, that does not mean that it does not put undue forces on the elbow uh, when you hit. I mean, you use every single aspect and the torque that's created on a swing is not as great as a pitch, but it is still putting pressure on that elbow. So it has to get the Tommy John surgery has to get back to a certain point and heal to a certain point before they're going to even allow him to swing. And so the ulnar collateral ligament has to heal, uh, the reconstruction it has to heal because God forbid he takes a swing and tears the UCL and then, you know, we're talking two years, 2021, right? And so, I mean, I can't even think further than two months from now, but think about it two years from now, right? And so I think this is a bad move to have him DH. If he's going to get one injury, he's got to get the other. I mean, I mean He's got to he's got to basically be out the whole time. Um, numbers wise, yeah, he's a great hitter, but um, you know he's taking a big risk of uh, damaging that UCL surgery further if he's going to DH. So no way by um, opening day. I think it's at least May to June that he'll be back if. He's back. I'm telling you, this is one of those things where they make a decision and they decide, you know what, our investment is protected if we let him heal completely first. Yes, this is one of those things. I'm not interested in Otani this year because of that exact reason, because plans can change. The 
the arm is so valuable. Even in a daily transaction league, you don't even want him there, Greg. I'm just really nervous about it, man. Yeah. I'm just really I, yeah, nervous I'm about you. it. And this goes uh, back to a lot of what we talked about last year with Otani, how you know it's going to be tough for the team to manage you know, him being a hitter versus being a pitcher. And you know this is why we don't see a player like this uh, all this often. Yes, right. he was the American League Rookie of the Year. He took the league by storm. He was awesome to watch. He was a great hitter. He was fun to watch as a pitcher as well. But they really, really need to be smart about the way that they manage Otani heading into this season. Doc, we asked you about Corey Seager and his hip surgery earlier on in the show. I want to ask you about Buster Posey now. 31 years old. He's going to be 32 come late March. Uh, last season in August, he won- underwent season-ending surgery to repair a microfracture and labrum tear in his right hip. Um, it sounds really bad for a catcher. <laughs> Yes, very big time. And, you know, because of his age and all the other injuries that he's had, I mean, the wear and tear you guys know for catchers is just, you know, it's like a running back in the NFL. Right. And so their their lifespan in the in the league is just it just gets, uh, you know, for short uh, shortened considerably by just being in that position alone. But, um, you know, grade four hip surgery, microfactor surgery and labral pathology that they have to um, essentially repair. Um, you know, it, it, it is not something that he should be ready for opening day. His injury date, I believe, um, was in August, but his surgery was in October. So we're looking at at least, you know, May to June when we feel that he'd be back to an HPF that is respectable at 75% peak. So right now he's at 52%. You know, I don't, you know, I know, I think the rumor has it that he's expected to be ready for opening day. I don't see how. Um, and if he is playing, then the, the risk of injury right now, the risk is great because he's still recovering. But, man, th- that IRC is probably going to be 40% on opening day. Buster Posey not expected to play catcher every day like he has don't, been. In don't the- draft him. Okay. Don't draft him. That's it, Greg. There's, n- there's nothing else to say about Buster Posey. Don't draft him. I, I know it's a terrible position. He is kind of like the last catcher. I mean, there's a huge gap in terms of ADP right now. He, there's a top eight. He's going pick 143. The ninth catcher is Danny Jansen going pick 214. So that's 70 picks. That's a huge gap. And look, I know he's like the drop off of a tier, but I, I, I'm not drafting him. I don't, I don't see how he's going to you know, come close to playing as much as he has in the past. He was already starting to lose power. He's turning into Joe Maurer. From you know a uh, from a skill uh, perspective, of course, of I'm, I'm out. I'm out. Jose Altuve out. Buster Posey out. Are you also out on Alex Reyes, who last year was coming back from his own Tommy John surgery, uh, comes back midway through the year, uh, kind of excites everybody, and then gets hurt again? There's a lot of hype around the former top prospect who's uh, battled personal issues and obviously uh, is battling injuries now as well. We don't know if he's a reliever. We don't know if he's a starter. We just want to know if he's healthy. What do you got for us, Doc? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, you know a clear-cut example of a lot of time to heal. He even, remember, had Tommy John surgery in February of 2017 and so recovered from that and then recovered this is a torn lat tendon which looks like he you know you know his injury date was in june so he will have completely recovered from that injury already and he should be ready to go i mean we're projecting him already at 94 percent peak hpf he's a little bit injury risk elevated right now at 14 percent but by the time opening day comes around and if he doesn't have any setbacks from a medical standpoint he should be healed from these injuries and his numbers look pretty good 
Okay, so that's so pretty that's good actually, for Alex Reyes. That's actually very positive. A lot of people news. have him yeah. as a breakout candidate. This Definitely, year. I don't. I don't want people to forget about him. I'm excited to talk about him in the future. Yeah, I mean, I think the innings pitch will always kind of be a concern, especially this year. I don't know that you could project them for more than 120, 130. I think right. that would be aggressive. Safe, yeah, but you know, when he's on the field, he could be very, very good. Doc, speaking of pitchers that are returning from injuries, uh, two years ago, the last time we saw Jimmy Nelson, he was very good whenever he was on the field. Uh, and a lot of people took late stabs on him last year in drafts, and he ultimately ended up not pitching. Uh, what what was the injury, to be exact, with Jimmy Nelson? That's right. Do you expect him to be back to 100% this year since he's had so much time to rest and rehab? Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. From an injury recovery standpoint, his numbers look great. Um, you know, the injury date was September of 2017. He had a he had a significant rotator cuff strain, which means probably a partial tear at least. And then a starting pitcher in the throwing shoulder, that's literally treated like a grade four type injury. And then he also had a partial uh, anterior labrum tear, which is, you know, again, uh, something that if it's not repaired, especially for the repetition that a sh- uh, pitcher has, uh, you know, then it caused lots of problems in the future. So he got shut down, he got repaired, and that's been a long time. So his, his HPF is at 97%. His injury risk is at four and a half percent, which is very low. And so numbers and metrics, everything looks good. Here's the issue. Uh, And this is not, I'm saying this outside of the data metrics, which is he hasn't been in Major League Baseball speed for over a year. And so it's going to be very, very interesting to see when he first comes back, how he handles that. And if his power and his velocity and all of that stuff is still the same. And there you go. That's that's the latest when it comes uh, to Jimmy Nelson. It's been a long time since we've seen him on MLB Mound. Hopefully, you know, he comes back and it's the Jimmy Nelson that we fell up with a couple years ago. We'll see. Dr. Ray, Inside Injuries, we appreciate the time as always, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Great, guys. Thanks. Have a good week. Awesome. A lot of injured guys we got to get to. Gregory Polanco comes up. Uh, Gleyber Torres. I'm sorry. Uh, Didi Gregorius as well. Uh, we'll be back with more on Carlos Correa and Michael Brantley. We'll wrap up the conversation with Alex Bregman, too. Fantasy Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTSY radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and wagering anytime and anywhere. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Brain dance! 
Make it rain. New York, the perception is most valuable franchise, number one media market, the ability Garden. to be able to, to turn New York around to be that guy that could actually make the Knicks a contender again. You can write your ticket for history to do Statue that. Statue outside of the Garden. You would be a god. There is a lot of upside if you are these free agents to go, the Knicks are serious here. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Join the experts live on the air every day by calling in at 844-843-6879 to join the Fantasy Sports Network. Fantasy Best Friends Forever, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Is there anything else you wanted to bring up when it came to Alex Bregman with a bow on that? I'm pretty sure my word to describe how I feel about Alex Bregman was uh, was the final bow. The last thing you needed to hear involving him. You heard it from Doc. I mean, you know, part of his maturity as the hitter. And look, again, 100 runs, 100 RBIs last year with everything that happened in the Astros lineup with Carlos Correa constantly in and out of the lineup with... You know, Jose Altuve missing time and not being himself. And now they add a guy like Michael Brantley as well. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to be excited about this lineup, but in particular, Alex Bregman, who's only getting better every single season. Like, I'm definitely in on him. You heard what Dr. A said, that the power, it's real and could actually improve now that those bone chips are gone. I don't want to go that far, but... Greg, how would you feel about a start of Bregman DeGrom? Yeah, like team, team USA to me is, <laughs> is how I feel, to be honest with you. Captain um, America. That's what, that's what it feels like. Um, how would I feel about that? Do you even that? pull that off? I don't know. Let me look I, at ADP and see if that's even possible. I think I have it up. I, I was like, just exit out by accident. No, I didn't. You could do it in a 12-team league because DeGrom is pick 11.7. So and DeGrom is, and Bregman is 12.3. So in a 15-teamer, you're not getting that. Yeah. It, it, in a 15-teamer, it's more likely you get Bregman and... Like Verlander. In a twelve-team league, it could happen at the turn for you. I actually have the updated NFBC where I, I took it even a much smaller sample size, Frank. Did just February. February, exactly. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll pull that they're, up. They're going back to back, eleven, twelve. Yeah. All right. So unless it's a twelve-team league, you're not going to be able to pull that off. Would how would you feel about your team if it was Bregman Verlander to start first two picks? Feel not great. Feel okay. I feel okay. It's so interesting because like I'm looking at I know if you're I know at you're the end of the this. first round and you want a starting pitcher, then you're likely gonna take DeGrom so I or know, Chris Sale. And then in the second round, you're gonna get a hitter, but you're not gonna get Bregman. So I know in you're, the early second round, you'll get a guy like Aaron Judge. Or you, you'll get Manny Machado. You know what I'm learning more than anything, I think, Frank? This first round yep. is very different than first rounds we've seen over the past couple of years. Like normally they're, they're relatively similar. But after you're like top seven or so, according to the NFBC. It's very, very different. Like, all right, Arenado's in there and Trout and Betts. Yeah, that's what I've noticed about this Lindor, year. Lindor, Jose Ramirez. There's, I mean, like a a top, guys. there's a top five or six yeah. consensus. Yeah. We're going to talk with Modica about this, really the first round a lot on Monday. And then it's kind of like, take your pick. Yeah. It's whoever you prefer from so like So a lot of these guys are just not the guys that you, we have seen in the first round. Christian Yelich, Ronald Acuna, DeGrom, Bregman, Chris Sale, Javi Baez. Then you get into the, the more traditional, what you think of the first rounders, right? Like the, your power hitters of Freeman, Judge, Machado, Harper, Goldschmidt. All these guys are going in the second round, which is crazy to me because they're, they're your theoretical first rounders. And, you know, it's, it's crazy that they're all going right in that middle, that pack in the second round. Like, I love being in that spot where you get Harper, Judge, Harper, Judge, Machado, Freeman, Goldschmidt, Stanton. Like, I love that. Like, that, that's, that's, that's a great spot to be in, I think. Here's the problem, Greg. Okay. If you wait until the end of the third round 
in a 15-team draft. For a pitcher? For a pitcher. Yeah. Here, here are your options. Here, here's who you're going to get as your SP1. Right. Walker Bueller. Noah Syndergaard. Patrick Corbin. James Paxton. What about Clayton Kershaw? Kershaw's like right on the cutoff. He's right around there. He's going pick 40.29. Walker Bueller is going 41.4. So what if you, start, if you started out with, you know... Uh, a lot of risk with Kershaw. I understand man. that. But like the upside, we know what it is. I know Modica is not on Kershaw this year. If you started your draft, Bragg, uh, Bregman. Bregman, Judge. Bregman, Judge. And then go with Kershaw. Kershaw and another pitcher in the fourth. No? You know, I, you know I'm just asking. Uh, I'm just asking. And that's what it comes down to. That's what I said yesterday. I don't want Kershaw to be my SP1. Yeah. I mean, how. Can you trust him for more than 150 innings? Let's um. I know I know I won't be here, but let's ask Doctor A about Kershaw tomorrow, <laughs> next week. Sorry, I remember we had him on the show last year. He said he wouldn't be surprised if in a couple of years Kershaw becomes a relief pitcher. I know, which I know. is crazy to imagine, but I trust Doctor A. Sure, he's back. Like back injury for Kershaw, it's it's chronic. It's always going to be there. Now you could get lucky if a guy like Carrasco or Severino falls to you in the third round. I think I can live with that. I think I can live with one of those sure. guys as my SP1. Definitely. In a 15-team league. I agree with you. But Carlos Carrasco is going pick 36, so that's the middle of the third round. Uh, so is Severino. They're going pick 36-37. That's the middle of the third round of a 15-team draft. In a 12-team league, you're getting those guys at the end of the third round. That you can pull off. That I feel better about. In a 12-team league, if you could start Bregman, Judge. Because if I play in a Roto League, I'm taking an outfielder with one of my first three-round picks. I have no choice. You start five outfielders, you got to get one of them. In the first three rounds, I would start, you know, Bregman, Judge, and then I get like a Carrasco or Severino at the end of the third round in a 12-team league. I'm in. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. I like that a lot. Let's get back to the Astros, though, and let's particularly dive a little bit deeper here on Carlos Correa. Not exactly a glowing report um, on Correa when it came from Dr. A., but another one of these Astros that just really battled injuries throughout last year. Obviously, uh, the former number one overall pick for the Houston Astros. Another one of these guys that's just 24 years old. Uh, last year... The second consecutive year, really, uh, only played in 110 games, 15 homers, which was down, I mean, down across the board, right? Home runs, runs, RBIs. He doesn't run at all anymore. He strikes out more than Bregman and, and, and Altuve. Uh, walks is good, over 10%. The average was horrific, absolutely horrific last year. How much does that do the injury? That's what we got to figure out. He's got this back injury, as we said, that just lingers. He says he feels a million percent healthy. We know that backs could kind of just, uh, as Frank mentioned with Kershaw, kind of Crop up at any moment. Frank, what is your opinion here on Carlos Correa? I'm scared, man. You mentioned it. Back-to-back seasons, 110 games last year. In 2017, 109 games. The production didn't fall off in 2017 when he missed time. He still hit 24 home runs. That's correct. He was on a great pace. You know, if he, if he played 150-plus games, he was hitting 30-plus home runs. He was giving you 100 RBIs, 100 runs scored. He was batting over 300. He was phenomenal two years ago. But it is two years now in a row where he's played right around 110 games. Last year really started to affect his production. You heard Dr. A talk about these core injuries, your back, your oblique. You watch Carlos Correa. He swings with a lot of ferocity. Um, look, he had a 728 OPS last year. It just clearly affected his production. 29% hard hit rate, whereas you know the two previous years, he was 37% and 39%. He was trending up in the right direction. He was getting better. 
This is one of these are one of those risky picks in the fourth or fifth round that can win you a draft. Yeah. He can return first round value. He can be a three hundred plus hitter, hit thirty bombs, hit you know hundred runs, hundred RBIs if he can stay healthy in the Astros lineup. It's a great lineup, and it looked like he was destined for stardom. But it's also you know at at that point, it's the ultimate risk reward pick because if he plays hundred games again, he plays 100, 110 games, and he's not even what he was two years ago. Where at least that year when he was playing, he was still Carlos Correa. Last year when he was playing, he was a 728 OPS guy. That's a replacement level player. That's less than league average. So it's risky. It's risky. It's the ultimate risk-reward pick right now that I see in that fourth, fifth-round range. And you know who's going right around him, Greg? A guy that we love, Tommy Pham. Are you going to take Carlos Correa over a guy like Tommy Pham where... All right, he has some injury risk himself the past couple of years, but finally has a, a place where he's going to play every single day. And in Roto Leagues, you need those outfielders. Eugenio Suarez, another guy going right around Carlos Correa, another guy who's only getting better every single year in a stacked lineup with the Cincinnati Reds. Carlos Correa is the ultimate wild card this year, ultimate risk-reward pick. There are just other players that I like in that range. Would you have Carlos Correa or Gene Zagara? Good question. They both play shortstop, and uh, it's the it's the stability of Gene Segura. You know what you're going to get from him. Depends what kind of player you are. Me, I mean, my first thought is Gene Segura, because I, you know I like knowing what I'm going to get. But if you're a riskier player, you want to shoot for the upside, you want to shoot for the moon. Carlos Correa is your pick there. Gene Segura, look, I think he's going to give me 280 plus batting average. He's going to give me runs. He's in a good lineup with the Phillies. He's going to still steal me at least, you know, 20, 25 bases. He doesn't kill your power. 12 to 15 home runs. Carlos Correa, no doubt, has more upside. He also has more downside. Give me words to describe Carlos Correa. Scared. I would say nervous. I would say nervous. Who would you take, Correa or Segura? It's really hard because the upside with Correa is a first round pick. Right, like we talk about that. In like fo- if you're playing, if you're playing the NFBC and you're playing for an overall, you got take yeah. a shot on the. So, take, I, so I agree with that. Parade. I almost relate this to the question we talked a lot about in fantasy. In you want to fo- play for first, or do you want to play for third or fourth? We talk about this in fantasy football season, right? We do it all the time. Where, like, which guy do you take later? Take that- risks later on, though. You know, no, take I risk in you know the ninth, tenth round plus on. I know, take but risk we, on those guys. We talk a lot, dude, about who could be a first rounder, who could return first round value in these middle rounds. Carlos Correa is one of those guys. He has that ability. And that's what probably, and you're right, it depends what kind of player you are, makes me take Correa over Segura, I think. And I think you mentioned Tommy Pham. And like, you want that third outfielder. I get it, but... Second outfielder. Most people use a second outfielder. outfielder, you know? Tommy Pham in the fifth round. Think about roster construction, Correa, shortstop. You're not going to get Tommy Pham as your third outfielder. Unless you... By the fifth round, you need to have two outfielders already. Right. Which means... Ultimately, your infield is going to be suffering from that, or even your starting pitching in right. a roto league. Right, so, right, right, right. Tommy Pham is going to end up being a lot of people's second outfielder this year, which I don't hate. I don't love. I probably want him as my outfield three as well. But again, you got to dig deep. You got to find those, and you could probably pull it off because I, as of right now, you know there are first basemen that I like that are going later on in drafts. Jose Abreu, I like him a lot already. Matt Olson, I like him a lot. There are second basemen going on later. Rugnet Odor that I like. You can find guys later on in the infield. You know, you can pull off Tommy Pham as your third outfielder. You definitely could. 
with that, we're going to sign off of YouTube before we start, Michael Brantley. I don't want to kind of stop in the middle of that. So come up next, it's the Fantasy Football Frenzy, so stay tuned for that. Uh, like, subscribe, rate us five stars, please. Leave a comment. Uh, give us a thumbs up. We appreciate all of your support and a lot of baseball coming up. Uh, programming note, tomorrow on the show, we're going to do my home league draft lottery live right here on the BFFs. Second year in a row we've done that. We'll get the ducks up here. We'll spin the wheel, and it'll be fun. And we will also have uh, best ball analysis from our buddy John Legetza. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at MLB Moving AVG. Uh, he puts up a bunch of great stats, graphs. Um, you know, he has like these line charts. He has these heat maps um, that he shows like which players you should be, you know, targeting in your drafts, which guys are uh, undervalued right now. He's done, Greg, you know how Jim Day does like 100 best ball football drafts? Our buddy. He's already done like 50. That's awesome. And he's like 100% confident he's going to cash in all of them because he has this down to like a science. A science. A science. Yeah. He really is. He used to do like trading and stuff. Right. So he kind of like, he, he looks at it from a completely different perspective. It's going to be cool to talk to him. All right. Uh, with that, we are going to, as I said, sign off of YouTube and get into our final player that we're going to really break down today. And that's a four, the fourth Astro. And that's Michael Brantley. And the thing with Michael Brantley has never been his talent. That's absolutely never been an issue. It's his ability to stay healthy. Last year he did, and he turned into a nice contract here uh, from the Houston Astros. We've been waiting for that Astro prospect, uh, Kyle Tucker mainly, to come up and, and really uh, be a star. I mean, another one of these young superstars the Astros, and it just has not happened. Kyle Tucker, Derek Fisher, both come to mind here. So the Astros kind of took it in their own hands. Like, you know what? We're just going to go sign Michael Would it surprise Bradley. you at all, though, like if Kyle Tucker overtakes Josh Reddick's job? It wouldn't surprise me. I love Josh Reddick. Stop, Greg. It's like a you and Nando guy, remember? No, it wasn't Nando guy. So it wasn't a Nando guy. guy. That, was a, that was a me you guy. You wanted Josh Reddick. Nando hated Josh Reddick. Good. He was good in that league. Sure. Thank you. <laughs> Define good. Good. Nevertheless, uh, Michael Brantley in, slots in that outfield as a starter. And the, talent, the talent's there. It's can he stay healthy. Pretty much the entire Astros team. It's the same, it's the same conundrum. They're awesome. Can they stay healthy? Are you buying Michael Brantley being back to full health? To a certain extent, look, I love him for points leagues. I love him in OBP leagues, um, you know, specifically because he doesn't strike out a lot. He walks a lot. He makes a lot of contact. You know, I mentioned earlier in the show that Alex Bregman's swinging strike rate last year was 4.2%. The guy does not swing and miss. He makes a lot of contact. There was one player in baseball better than him. That was Michael Brantley. 4% swinging strike rate. He walks a decent amount. He doesn't strike out. So if you play in points leagues, he's going to hit a ton of doubles. He's going to be in a great lineup. Roster Resource has Michael Brantley batting fifth in the Astros lineup right now. Uh, but for Roto, he's just a little boring, I guess you could say. Look, he hit 309 last year. Uh, he's going to give you batting average. He's going to give you runs. He's, gonna, he's not going to hit for a ton of power. He only had 17 home runs, but it's a, again, it's a, it's a good park to hit in. Not a great park anymore. It's a good park to hit in, uh, but he's surrounded by a lot of good players. So I do think that there is a great opportunity here for runs and RBIs for Michael Brantley this year. Um, he's just kind of like, blah, you know? He doesn't like do anything right. that stands out. The batting average, which, you know, where you're getting him, has to pick 100, mm -hmm. Michael Brantley. Going to pick 120. So, I mean, it's not the easiest thing to find... Great batting average there. These guys going to give you 300 plus batting average. To me, he's just a guy that stands out more so in points leagues and OBP leagues. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I, I think, like we said, it's when he's healthy, he's the same guy. Like, he's the same guy every year. He's he's fine. And that, if, but he played 143 games last year. The year before that, 90. The year before that, 11. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah. It's been, it was How much a long, is he going to play? It was a long time before Michael Brantley was healthy. It was great to see him healthy. And what, what's so good about him in points leagues, and Frank described it really well, he doesn't strike out. He, he doesn't really walk. But the OBP is awesome. He'll, get you, he'll help you out across the board. And a really good lineup with Houston, it, it only should be good. Where you're getting him around pick 120, there's nothing. There's nothing who, who's going around him, Frankie? Hey, I'm happy you asked. You're on the, you're on the clock right, right now. Okay. Michael Brantley, David Peralta, or Andrew McCutcheon? Those are the three outfielders that are going between picks 120 and 134. I would feel very comfortable taking Michael Brantley ahead of both those guys easily. Really? Yeah. Easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, McCutcheon for Roto doesn't really stand out Gross. anymore either. Gross. David Peralta, though. He's a hype guy. He's a hype guy. He's absolutely a hype guy this year. I mean, you know, he hit a lot more home runs last year. I know he hit the ball harder. Um, so, look, I, I haven't done my outfield rankings yet. Um, I think as of now... Peralta really struggles miserably against lefties, right? What? Peralta struggles miserably against lefties, I think. Uh, he usually does. I don't know how he did last year. I think it was miserable. <laughs> as usual. I look into splits a lot, Greg. I don't know about you. I know you, you do. I want, I want guys that are going to play every me. day, of course. And, it, you know, it, in this day and age in baseball, it's hard to find. I mean, so many teams are moving into analytics where they platoon guys. 237 batting average last year against, against lefties. lefties. Yeah. You know what? I'm probably just not taking an outfielder there. If I'm, if I'm just being honest. I mean, I like, I'm, probably, I'm probably going in a different out, direction. Take out the, I don't think any of those guys really excite me all that much. Take out the in outfielders. Points league, Who else I'm is there? I'm 100% taking Michael Brantley. Take out the outfielders. Who else is there? Uh, there is Kyle Hendricks, starting pitcher. Ugh. Carlos Martinez. I'd probably take that shot. Interesting. I'd probably take that shot. You got some closers in here. You have Kirby Yates, old boy. Brantley's my favorite. referred to by uh, Chris Ventra, old boy Kirby Yates. <laughs> Brantley's my favorite guy out of these guys, to be honest Wait, with Wade you. Davis, you get the Rockies closer. Wilson Ramos. That's probably where I'm going. That's where I'm taking my first catcher, Greg. Ninth, eighth, ninth, tenth round in Roto League. Probably take my first catcher there. I'll take a guy like Wilson Ramos. I love Wilson Ramos. I can't quit him. Can't take him with you. Can't take your, your draft picks or your fab with you. <laughs> Let's go, Mets! Give me a word on Brantley? Michael Brantley? Uh, boring? I'll say fine. Points? <laughs> Corey and the Frenzy's up next. You won't hear anything about Michael Brantley. For Frank Sample, I'm Greg Sussman. Lottery tomorrow! We hope!